Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Packer fans, what's going on? Welcome to the Packers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for diehard Packer fans by diehard Packer fans. I am your host, Trevor. You can find me on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And today I am joined with Tyler, a.k.a. T Plush. And Scott's not here, so you don't have to find him on Twitter. But you can find Tyler on Twitter, at Tyler Kurth. And you can also find the podcast on Twitter, at Trilogy underscore pod. And also, like always, make sure you guys are checking out the Fresh Take. Because we do have stuff going up there. Our podcasts are there. We have a few articles going up every once in a while. And I've been... Since this past week. So I've done one. I did a game recap so make sure you guys check that out quick little game recap um kind of bigger picture what the some of the bigger takeaways are that i found and i write them pretty soon afterwards to try to get like initial reactions out quickly um but for today's podcast we are past week two and on to week three and that brings on the broncos um, so we're going to talk about what we're looking for in that. Um, again, another takeaway from last week that we could kind of hopefully kind of talk about and use that to see what the Packers need to be doing um, based on last week's game, what they need to do better or what they need to continue to do. Um, and we'll have a game prediction. But... Before we get to any of that, Tyler, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Um, I will give you a shout out for your articles because I'm your friend and I did read it. And yeah, it was quick. And, you know, compared to like other articles that you read out there, like I hate reading anything over five minutes. So uh, yours was definitely quick to the point and made me learn some things. So if I was a listener, I would check out the work you're doing. So appreciate you, buddy. Oh, thanks. You're the best. All right. Um, so before we get to actual preview content, I feel like we need to mention some news that happened today just a few hours ago. Um, okay, maybe it wasn't even that long ago. But we are recording this on Wednesday, the 18th, and Trevor Davis has been traded. Um the Packers traded him to the Raiders for a sixth-round pick. So, Tyler, what are your thoughts on this initially? Do you like it? Do you think the compensation was worth trading him? Kind of what are your – where do you stand on this? I like it. I didn't agree with Davis even making the 53-man roster in the first place. Um, I know he had a great preseason, yada, 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 but – 
I mean, what, he has one catch through the first two weeks. Um, so, I don't know, getting anything out of a guy like that who, yeah, he still primarily was our special teams guy, um, I'll take it, even if it's only a six-round pick. Um, you never know, like, with all these trades that are getting tossed out there now, I mean, I know the Jalen Ramsey rumors are out there, but I don't think the Packers will do that. But if they ever did want to go out and get somebody, it's good to have some picks that you acquired from other teams that, you know, all of a sudden you're not missing out on a pick in a round if you do decide to go out and acquire someone. So more picks, the better. Good, smart move by the Packers, I think. Yeah, so I was advocating for Trevor Davis to make the team. Um, But after the first two weeks, I was kind of okay with this. Like, if you just look at the Vikings game, he had some boneheaded plays in that one. The first one, like, when he didn't fair catch that punt and just got annihilated, like, a quarter of a second after he caught it, I was like, what are you doing? It was amazing when they hung on to the football, but... Fair catch that. Are you stupid? The next one, he freaking fair catches and starts blocking, and that's illegal. And as a football player, you should know that. So what the fuck are you doing, dude? And that's not like that's his only mistakes ever. He is probably the only player I've ever seen catch a punt in the end zone. Um, so the thing that he was supposed to be very good at and help your team at fundamentally sometimes he just had some boneheaded mistakes so I think Brian Gutekunst was sick of that I do think he could have brought something to this offense just because of the speed and how dynamic he is but it's it's not worth a ton of mistakes and getting something out of a player that you don't as a franchise see in your long-term plans it makes a lot of sense. I mean, look back on Haha Clinton Dix last year. The Packers didn't see him in their long-term plans, so what they do? They got a fourth-round pick for him. You know what they use that fourth-round pick for? To move up to get Darnell Savage. So that's looking pretty damn good right now, and that's not to say that something like that's going to happen with the sixth-rounder, but I feel like it was a good, smart move to get something out of someone that you didn't intend um, on kind of being in your long-term plans or anything like that. So should be interesting. Um, Darius Shepard kind of has a path to making the active roster now. So, Tyler, do you feel comfortable with Darius Shepard back there in terms of kick and punt returns? Uh, that's a tough question. I think, yeah, for kick returns for now, obviously how many kicks actually do get returned. Um, not a lot. Um, punt returns is always where you get the most scary. Obviously, you mentioned Trevor Davis not fair catching. Thankfully, he held on to the ball. Um, you know, I'm trying to recall back to the preseason if Darius Shepard gave me any reason to think I don't think he should be returning punts. Um, but I don't know. Maybe just throw like a Tremont Williams or uh, yeah, Josh Jackson, somebody back there to return punts for now. And keep working on Darius Shepard returning uh, the punts in practice for now, and maybe that's a later in the season thing. Um, but I'd say no, not right now. It, it would not be my most comfortable thing to see him out there. Well, why not? 
he is built to return. Why wouldn't you want him returning punts if that's the one that he's actually going to be returning on? Because now you got a guy out there who that's essentially would be his only role for now, and you don't want a Ty Montgomery situation where he feels like he has to do something. So rather than fair catch it, uh, he's going to try and make a play, and you know that could end up hurting the Packers. Um, so I just feel like he'd want to try and carve out or make the most out of his role is what I'm trying to say, and uh, I, I just don't like that thought. This is an undrafted rookie free agent versus Ty Montgomery, who was a former third-round draft pick who was just frustrated with not getting touches and not being used to his potential, which was completely accurate. But this is an undrafted rookie. I don't think he's going to be doing that. Um, but other news that kind of preceded the uh, Trevor Davis trade was the Packers claimed someone off of waivers who is a pretty good um, kink, kick and punt returner, um, Traymond Smith. Again, he picked up off waivers. He returned 33 kicks for 886 yards, um, and that included a 96-yard re- or 97-yard, excuse me, return against New England in Foxborough in Week Six last year. So he's a pretty damn good kick returner. Um, and that 26.8 yard average ranked fourth in the NFL. So damn good kick returner. Um, and I imagine he would have, he's a cornerback and I imagine he'd have some sort of background in punt return. So that throws another guy back there that you can at least kind of test and see, who is your best option in punt return. So I mean more options for Matt LaFleur and this team um, for that position, and it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing with that. Um, Do you have anything else on either Smith or Darius Shepard or Trevor Davis? I do not. Best of luck, Trevor Davis, though. (laughs) Yes, yes, best of luck to him. Um Good luck in Oakland is all I can say. <laughs> um, let's go to our takeaway from last week, Tyler. And again, if we can, we're trying to look at what the Packers either did well that you think they need to continue going into week three or just the opposite, what they didn't do well and they need to change and get better at going into week three. Yeah, so I have two things on the – on the negative side of um, things. So the first one focuses more on pass protection. So last week, the uh, Packers used more of a seven-man pass protection. So obviously you have the five offensive linemen, and then they used a tight end and a running back to help as well. In most of those cases, it was Jimmy Graham blocking and then Jamal Williams as a running back. And Uh, How most of them set up is, say, Jimmy Grant lined up on the left side of the line. That means Jamal Williams would be on the right side of Aaron Rodgers, and he would come over to give Jimmy Graham help. Um, So sounds 
good, I guess, in theory, because we know Jimmy Graham is not a very good blocker, so getting him any extra help um, is definitely a good thing, seeing how the Packers only gave up two sacks last week, and one of them came um, when Daniil Hunter totally dominated Jimmy Graham and Jamal Williams, so um, obviously only two sacks isn't bad, but it obviously didn't work out. So I guess my question for the Packers is, we already know Jimmy Graham isn't good in pass blocking why not like and it's why not like throw like a Robert Tanyan out there you know because I foresee Robert Tanyan on this team next year I do not foresee Jimmy Graham on this team next year so you might as well if you're gonna give him help might as well like develop uh, Tanyan's ability to pass block rather than Jimmy Graham in my opinion but do you have any thoughts on that at all well I think First and foremost, I think Matt LaFleur is honestly putting the best team out there that he thinks he has. And in in those situations, you can't imagine that he's putting Jimmy Graham out there but feels like Robert Tanyan would be a better choice. Like, you can't think that is the case. Um, But I don't know. I just think... They're, if they're going to have Jimmy Graham out there in passing situations, let him run a route. Don't let him pass protect. He has proven to be, I wouldn't say good, um, I guess adequate in the run blocking. He has shown some signs there. It's not still not great by any means, but he has shown some, some strides, and that looks okay and passable, so you can have him out there for passing and running situations um I just don't understand the thought process of putting Jimmy Graham out there to do anything in pass protection other than chip a defensive end or something like that that's that's more my problem with it Uh, I just don't understand in general why you would be using a tight end for that job at all because even if you saw a blitz coming then slip your tight end out and have them run to the flat, and it's an easy check down for your quarterback. And if they're really bringing the blitz, that should be an easy completion and probably some run-after-the-catch territory for that tight end, whoever it is. So I just don't understand the point of it. Um, Matt LaFleur is a lot smarter guy, especially offensively, than I am. So there has to be a point, but I I just don't see the usefulness of it, I guess, is my take. Yeah, I I agree. It doesn't make much sense. But then again, we're not Matt LaFleur. I don't know what's going on exactly in his head. Um, The only other things that I took away from last week, um, and there isn't really, I guess, a good answer for this besides you hope it gets better. But so far this season, the Packers are 7 of 27 on third down. So that's less than 25% or right around 25%. Uh, one of 14 on third and six or longer, and they lead the NFL in three and outs. So obviously that's a lot due to the offensive struggles. Um, but hopefully that's just one of these weird anomalies, I think, in the beginning of the season that the Packers aren't going to finish last in these categories come the end of the season, I would think. But interesting to watch for now as we kind of watch this offense still develop and find its groove. So, I 
this is this is like different because you're not used to starting a year off like this but i don't i don't think those numbers are surprising in any means for me at least because look at the defenses they played it's not like they were going out and playing miami no they were playing two of the what five best defenses in the league eight best you can't tell me either one of those defenses are worse than eight in the league. Um, so that's a ver- two very good defenses. And if you're in third and six plus against very good defenses who are very fundamentally sound, do their job, are doing their assignments, whatever that may be, you're not going to get a lot of first downs. That's just not going to happen. So I, I do think it's going to get better. But I don't necessarily think it's like, oh, this is just like a freak thing. No, it's because they're playing unreal defenses, and that's the reason why they can't continue to stay on the field on third down. They're playing good defenses. That's what good defenses do is get you off the field, and that's what they did in the first two weeks. Um, Now, Denver is a fairly good defense. Um, They were last year at least, and getting Vic Fangio, you would expect – them to be even better they have not been so far this year and so that'll be interesting but they are there's still a lot of talent on that defense and they could be a very good defense um so that's something to keep in mind and by the end of the year who knows maybe they're a top five top eight defense as well if they if Vic Fangio kind of gets his system fully in place and the players figure it out and kind of buy into that but moving along Talking about the Broncos, Tyler, what is one big thing that you are looking for in this game that either, A, the Broncos need to do um, or need not to do, I guess, for the Packers' sake, or what do the Packers need to do to win this game? Oh, um, well, before I get to that, I want to back up to the Broncos' defense, seeing how you brought them up. <laughs> um I think it's funny, yeah, their defense isn't as good as it's been in years past. They still have the sexy names like Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, uh, Chris Harris. But other than that, there isn't really any big names out there. Um, But so far through the first two games, Chubb and Miller have zero sacks. Um, In fact, they have only two QB hits all year and no interceptions. So um, a lot of Denver fans are putting the blame on the fact that teams are going to the quick passing game against them, so they're not able to get pressure because they're getting the ball out so quick. Um, So I think that'll be one thing to monitor. Um, And then uh, on the Broncos' defensive side as well, they're allowing 4.7 yards per carry on first down, so they're not really setting themselves up very well in terms of limiting the opposition um, into like a second and long or a third and long. Um, But that's not my... uh, kind of main takeaway or what I'm looking for in this game. Um, Actually, I feel really confident about this game, and I think the one matchup that the Packers can exploit um, comes on the uh, Broncos' offensive line. So last week, their offensive lineman, Garrett Bulls, got called for four holding penalties against the Bears. Granted, yeah, that's going against... Khalil Mack and all those other monsters they have over there but in 2018 he had 10 holds in 2017 he had 10 holds and 
those are only this is the third year in the league, but he was a first round pick. I mean, so the Broncos expect a lot out of him, and Vic Fangio already said that uh, Garrett Bowles' role will not change. He's not going to get benched or anything like that. He just needs to learn from it and move on. But I think looking at the uh, weapons the def- or the Packers have on the defensive side, the Smiths, um, Rashawn Gary, heck, maybe even Kyle Fackrell um, could get by Garrett Bowles or at least force a couple holding penalties. So I think that's one matchup that if the Packers really exploit and can get uh, a grasp on early, um, they will be one of their keys to success. Tyler. What? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> Was that your point? Because I, plain as day, asked what was one thing you're looking for, and then you have to go off and talk about the defense and then get to your one thing. Can't you just ever follow the rules? Haven't Scott and I taught you yet? No, you brought up their defense, and I got excited. <laughs> Yeah, because I was going to talk about their defense, but I was being a polite host and letting you go first. But no, now you just ruined my entire talking point, so now we're just going to end the podcast early. (laughs) Just kidding. You didn't do it enough justice, so I'm going to talk about their defense a little bit. Um, And more specifically, I kind of wanted to compare their defense versus the Packers' defense. Um, Like I said, their defense last year was very good, and they just haven't been quite the same this year, which is weird because they have one of the best defensive minds in football as their head coach, so you'd expect it to get better, but it has not. Um, So just comparing team stats quick, the Broncos have 11 pressures. So this includes... Uh, quarterback hurries, knockdowns, and sacks, okay? They have 11. Zero of them are sacks. They have zero sacks through two games of this season. Going to the Packers' side, the Packers have 37 pressures and six sacks. And it is absolutely absurd that Zadarius Smith alone almost has as many pressures on the quarterback as the entire Broncos' defense does that includes Von Miller that includes Bradley Chubb it is just absurd to me how they are not getting to the quarterback at all and yeah you say yeah they can't they're not getting to the quarterback because the quarterbacks are getting the ball out these are all world pass rushers and you can't tell me that every single time they're getting the ball out in two seconds or less that's just not happening there's got to be some third and long situations and I know Tyler you brought up the fact that they're giving up what almost five yards on first down on rush plays right so that doesn't help matters but I just I can't believe they only have 11 pressures and I stated that Vic Fangio is one of the best minds defensive minds in the game but maybe he needs to expand his comfort zone a little bit because he's a very conservative defensive play caller doesn't blitz a lot sends four and expects them to get home and that's just not happening so maybe he has to dial up some pressures here and there to help with that for them Um, but it also just makes me feel fantastic that I can look at 
this kind of breakdown of pass rushes and just see how the Packers have more than tripled their um, quarterback pressures than a very good defense from last year. So it is just insane to see what this Packers defense was is doing. And there was something that going into the year, I was a little bit concerned because it was three very, very good defenses all right in a row to start the year. I don't think this defense is up to that standard that they were. So it'll be interesting to see how this offense responds, the Packers offense, because they need to go out and show even against a talented defense, one that hasn't played particularly well yet this year, but they have to go out and show against a talented defense that they can score against a talented defense because, yeah, we saw it in the first quarter of the Vikings game, but and then, what, a minute into the second quarter? But that's all we saw the entire year so far. So I'm really looking forward to this Packers offense being able to take advantage, and this Packers defense should be able to take advantage as well. I mean, the Broncos have Joe Flacco as a quarterback, I know it seems like more of the trend. Uh, good defense and the shit quarterback. We've had Trubisky, we've had Cousins, now we get Joe Flacco. Um, did you have anything else, Tyler, that you wanted to mention that maybe I brought up and made you think of something? Yeah, so you mentioned Joe Flacco, and I know Scott is all about uh, getting turnovers off Joe Flacco, and he thinks that's one thing we can really exploit. He's not here to vouch for that, but I I know that's what he's thinking. Um, But Flacco isn't playing that bad this year. Uh, Last year, he actually led, or last week, excuse me, led the Broncos uh, into Bears territory on eight out of nine drives, which is kind of impressive, but they just didn't really have the points to show for it. In fact, they only have two offensive touchdowns this year, um, both uh, Flacco to Emmanuel Sanders connections, which Sanders has really benefited from Flacco being there. He's been their most productive wide receiver. Um, they obviously have like Cortland Sutton and Noah Font, um, who are nice additions, but they haven't really found their groove yet per se. Um, but you know, I think we always we look and go, yeah, Joe Flacco's not a good quarterback. I'd say he's probably under the level of Kirk Cousins, but. He's he's not playing too bad, I don't think. So I don't think we should overlook him per se because their offense is moving the ball. They're just not quite capitalizing on every opportunity. Yeah. Um, so I was just looking, trying to compare Rodgers to Flacco. And in the air, the Broncos have moved the ball more, like Tyler said, 560 to 412 for the Packers. Um but also, you have to remember, the defenses the Packers played. Um, I just think it's it's interesting, and I feel like this game, I don't think anyways, because the Broncos haven't proven it this year, you don't get any of those kind of filters that you did in the first two, that they're playing a really good defense. Um, so the offense really doesn't have any excuses anymore unless they're just not there yet and that could be the point that could be the case but we're week three 
I we want to see more strides going into this game, and I think not having that kind of fallback of oh my god, this is really really good defense. Hopefully that'll help them. Hopefully that can break them out of their shell a little bit. And we see two quarters. We see two and a half, three quarters even. That would be wonderful of the offense really clicking. And we see a kind of snapshot into what this offense could be. And I am really excited about that. Tyler, do you have anything else to preview Uh, this game? No, I do not. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, I think we need to get a game prediction. What is your prediction for this week three matchup? Ooh, so I think if I was, I feel really confident about this game. Like it, it should be a for sure win, um, which is kind of scary. <laughs> so if I was being really optimistic, I think the Packers would put up like over 40 points. Um, but I, I just don't see it happening. I think the final score is going to be 28 to 13. I think Packers obviously score four touchdowns and they'll put together four incredible drives. Um, but then the rest of the possessions, you could see a bunch of three and outs or the offense kind of struggle to get it going. That's kind of been the theme so far this year. So I don't think we quite get it rolling yet just because we, we haven't shown the ability to. Um, but still, with a comfortable win, I don't see the defense giving up more than 13 points to a uh, this Raven, or excuse me, not this Ravens, this Broncos team. Um, it just won't happen. Flacco doesn't play for the Ravens anymore, Tyler. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so that was 28 to 13, you said? Correct. All right. I am going 17 for the Ravens, 34 for the Packers. So four touchdowns, two field goals. So I think I think we're going to see more of that kind of well-balanced offense. We're going to see them move the ball a little bit more, both on the ground and in the air. And that's going to result in not so many three and outs because Tyler was being a little Debbie Downer about that. Not so many three and outs. They're going to move the ball more than just when they get in the end zone. And they're even going to move the ball in – situations get a couple first downs and then they might have to punt i see them moving the ball a lot more in this game more consistently not so many three and outs but get in the end zone four times couple field goals and for mason crosby fantasy owners i hope they're long ones because those are always fun to watch all righty so that will be it for us Make sure you guys are checking out the Fresh Take. Again, after this game, I will have um, an article that will come out probably Monday when the podcast comes out. So make sure you guys listen to the podcast. Check out the article. Again, they're going to be quick. Um, Like Tyler said, really don't want to take a lot of your time. And that's what I'm kind of shooting for, taking big takeaways, gut reaction type things, and then more in-depth on the podcast that you can listen to on your way to work or whenever you listen, in the shower. I don't really care. I feel kind of weird about talking to you while you're in the shower right now, but, (laughs) you know, (laughs) whatever you're doing, I'm glad you're listening. Um, But, again, make sure you're checking out the Fresh Take. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. 
Um, don't follow Tyler. He's kind of a bad follow. You can follow Scott, though, at Vanilla, Vanilla7Gorilla. Follow me at Bender underscore Trevor. Um, yeah, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Go Pack Go. I'll be listening in the shower.